Well, welcome here to Church with Us online at Issaquah Christian Church. It is my great pleasure to be with you. My name is Justin, and I get to fill in and share it with you today. Again, I've, as I mentioned before, this is a huge honor, huge privilege for me just to be able to be a student under the word with you today. Uh, wherever you're at, whether you are afar, whether you're local uh, to Issa the Issaquah area, uh, whether you are uh, at, at, at a great distance or, or not, uh, we welcome you. Uh, you are uh, invited to be part of uh, this family. And our hope is that uh, wherever you find yourself, you would plug into a local Christian growing, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching family of faith. Uh, where you can uh, be discipled, where you can learn what it means to disciple, and where you can advance the kingdom, because that is a calling on all of our lives. And if this is your first time hearing that, if this is your first time hearing uh, a story such as what we're going to be sharing today, uh, understand this, uh, that uh, God did create you with intentionality. There is purpose to your life. Uh, there's purpose to why you're here listening today. This is uh, uh, There's purpose to me uh, standing here in front of a camera being recorded uh, because everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And today, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, a gentleman named Paul, whom we've been following along uh, for uh, the last few chapters of Acts here. Uh, we've been in a series uh, in the book of Acts, really taking a look at uh, what the early church went through as uh, the church grew, as uh, the gospel message reached the Gentile nations and beyond. Uh, we've been we've been really taking a look at this and 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 what uh, what what really what what can, what can we expect what can we learn as a church of today in comparison to the uh, early early church as we refer to it. Now we're all part of the uh, capital C church. You've heard that uh, before. Uh, if you are uh, in this body of believers, uh, we we recognize that as as one body. We talked a couple weeks ago, and we've been talking actually for a few weeks about unity in the body and what that looks like. Uh, unity for uh, the mission, uh, for purpose, uh, not just unity for the sake of uh, getting along with one another, but actually getting to the truth and actually going through the truth with one another. And that's uh, part of Paul's uh, issue, uh, as we're going to find today. Uh, we're going to find that uh, Paul is, uh, he just got arrested, uh, and <laughs> it's not exactly going to uh, get uh, any better for him, per se, depending on your perspective. The next uh, couple of years of Paul's life uh, are going to be spent, uh, for the most part, in prison, in prison and on his way to other prisons, on his way to uh, testify uh, to his story, uh, to the, the gospel message. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at today as is, is, uh, his journey continues to pick up speed here. Uh, Luke, the author of Acts, has been uh, following along. Yeah, he's uh, done a fantastic job of, of chronicling these events. And uh, he emphasizes something here that we're going to take a look at in a, a few minutes. Uh, but before we do so, uh, let's uh, catch up with where uh, we've been and where we're at today. So Paul uh, recently got to Jerusalem. Uh, he went through uh, the rites of purification so as to, uh, so as to uh, not cause an unnecessary division, but to uh, demonstrate that uh, his message, what he's been gone doing, the, the testimony that he has to what he's seen, what he's experienced, his likely entourage that is now with him, uh, he is uh, bringing forward a, a message of, of unity, of getting together under a one gospel message and really trying to demonstrate that. So he goes through uh, rites of purification uh, for the, uh, the temple cleansing. Uh, he takes with him uh, four other men as well and takes them through that process. And all of this is, is done to demonstrate a unifying purpose here. Now, that unifying message, that unifying purpose was not uh, clearly received by uh, those that uh, are in Jerusalem because uh, Paul, 
as we talked last week, ends up uh, in a position where he's getting beat. Uh, he's getting beat, and uh, he, he's, he, he may not have made it out if had the Tribune uh, of, of soldiers not come and uh, essentially arrested Paul, right, as, as we see in the text in, uh, in, in Acts 21. Uh, we see him getting arrested, uh, and this uh, getting arrested is actually what saves him. Uh, it actually saves his life at this point in time, uh, based on the the crowd. And the crowd was upset. They were uh, they they were brought against him uh, because they understood and thought that he was preaching a a different gospel than the truth. Essentially, he was saying that uh, you need to leave your Jewish faith, your Jewish traditions, and that's uh, and, and preaching ag- against that, which is intriguing. And as we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, all of these things that are are brought against Paul. They, they come from uh, an, an obvious uh, heart, heart of evil in, in reality. Uh, and this is a, a point where we see the early church dividing uh, really aggressively over something that's, one, not worth dividing over to begin with, but two, also found in lies and rumors and, uh, and false, falseness. Uh, so we're going to dive into that in a second here. Uh, before we do so, I'd like to go ahead and pray over this time together. Uh, and then uh, we will uh, pick up in Acts 21, verse 37. Father God, would you uh, just come uh, in, in this time? Would you just let your spirit move? Uh, and in my heart here, I ask that you would just go before me, God, that uh, your words would be spoken today. Uh, Father, that uh, what it needs to be heard on this recording uh, would be heard. Lord, that uh, wherever uh, anyone is that is listening to, watching, uh, and, and consuming this content today, uh, that's uh, that individual, whomever that is, would find themselves just desiring more and more of you. Uh, and Lord, would this uh, message uh, be a, a blessing? Would it be worship uh, under your name, in, in your name? Amen. All right, so Acts 21, verse 37. Uh, we're going to read up through uh, verse uh, to, uh, chapter 22, verse 2. Uh, we're going to talk for a little bit about what's going on here, uh, kind of set the stage, and then we'll finish out uh, reading and talk about uh, what, what, what is ultimately going on and where this is going and also why it's important for us today. So 37, chapter 21, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, so this is the tribune that arrested him, right, as we talked about last week, may I say something to you? And he said, this would, this would be the captain of the tribune, uh, do, you, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. So, uh, r- real quick right here, we, we have Paul who's speaking Greek to the Tribune. They think he's somebody else. They think he's actually somebody else that uh, even, as we talked about last week, was not the reason that the, the, the Jewish people were uh, persecuting Paul, right? They were persecuting him because uh, he was known, or at least they understood him, to be out preaching a different gospel than what they understood. And uh, here we have uh, the Tribune has gone down to arrest him because they thought he was the Egyptian who recently stirred up a revolt elsewhere. So uh, they're thinking this guy's trouble, right? They're going to arrest him, and then he speaks perfect Greek to them. And then uh, he, he asked, just permit me to speak to the people. So verse 40, And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. 22 verse 2, And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. So we'll pick up there in, in just a minute. 
But let's uh, let's address a couple of things. Who was it that's persecuting Paul? He addresses them as, as brothers and fathers. Uh, it is important to recognize that uh, these people that are persecuting him now, they would actually know Paul as uh, formerly Saul, and he's going to uh, reca recapture part of his story here in a minute of the road to Damascus and, and, and what took place there. But if you remember, Saul was zealous for the law. He was zealous for the law, and he wanted to uh, he, he wanted to make sure that the law was protected. He would be a fantastic student, uh, in, 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 and we're going to uh, talk about that in, in a moment here. Uh, but he was a fantastic student. He had classmates, he had friends, he had family, uh, and all of these people have now come together and are uh, persecuting against him, uh, beating him, and completely anti-Paul. They're uh, no longer remembering the Saul before, but uh, he has uh, obviously changed. He's gone through some sort of transformation, uh, which again, we will talk about here in a second. Uh, this is uh, going to be the second of three times where Luke, the author of Acts, details this transformation story in Paul's life, this moment. And, and yes, we read it today and we go, wow, this is a really significant moment in the life of Paul. But Luke seems uh, to believe that we really need to pay attention to this because he is going to pen this story in detail uh, three separate times in total. It would have been easy for him to just go, oh, you know what, Like you guys know the story, so he shares a story again, saves a few verses, uh, saves a few uh, lines of text, right? And then, and, and then moves on with uh, what happens next for Paul's life. But in each of these three times, uh, Luke deems it necessary to reiterate uh, this story uh, in, in detail. Now, uh, we often hear uh, this story that we're about to dive into here as, uh, as, as Paul's uh, conversion. As a Saul, for, uh, formerly a persecutor of Christians, he converts to uh, Christianity and uh, is now, uh, is, is now uh, a completely different person. And while the, the, the transformation is absolutely right, that is an absolutely uh, great way to look at this, it, he's more of going through a transformation because remember it is his heart and his zeal for uh, the law whom he thinks that he is protecting the law on behalf of and for God and worship of God uh, he is doing these things out of out, out of his, out of zeal out of compassion uh, for the the law itself out of a conviction here uh, we talked a couple weeks about a couple weeks ago about Paul being convicted and focused and determined in uh, his calling. Because for, for Paul, in his zeal, there is no plan B. There is absolutely no plan B. This is it. This is his plan A. This is uh, what he is going to do. He's going to live out the, the values that he believes in, essentially. He's going to live out the truth in his life. And that is how he's going to guide uh, his uh, individual daily steps. And that's also how he's going to de decide uh, where he's going. Uh, he's, he's following what he believes God has called him to do. Paul is a smart guy. He's a smart guy. He's uh, well educated. He knows he knows the law for one, but he's also he's got some people skills. He's he's practiced in this area, and so uh, we see Paul speaking uh, you know perfect Greek to one to the the Tribune to then uh, going and speaking Hebrew, and uh, we see that that Paul's an intelligent guy, which going back a couple weeks ago to the journey up to Jerusalem, he was encouraged not to go by people that loved him. Right? He was. Uh, he, he was exposed to some prophecies of what would happen. And so he knew what was going to happen going into this. So let's not forget that Paul is, Paul's a smart dude. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. So now we have him approaching the people that were just trying to kill him. And he's going to speak. He's going to share with them. So picking up 
Uh, in chapter 22, uh, verse uh, 2, we're going to go ahead and read through up, up, through up to 11, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue uh, talking about what's going on here. And I'm going to do my best not to uh, give away anything that is going to happen uh, after this, uh, because I, I want you to, to dive in and to read it for yourself, uh, and also uh, as we continue journeying through the rest of Acts over the next few months, uh, you'll, you'll see as we uh, finish out uh, the book of Acts in this series, uh, it's it's going to uh, leave us with uh, a lot of um, a lot of encouragement for what uh, God is doing in our church today, and uh, a lot of uh, optimism for what He will continue to do, and a lot of conviction for what we need to do. So, uh, picking up in verse uh, three, uh, I am a Jew. This is Him speaking to uh, the people now from the steps. I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in the city, in this city, Jerusalem educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Okay, uh, <laughs> so let's just reiterate. So he's, he's from, he's, he's born in Tarsus, a, a well-known city, right? He's not just some obscure person. He's establishing uh, who he is. He's reminding them like, hey, remember me? Like, you guys know me, actually. Uh, here's who I studied under. According to the strict, strict manner of the law of our fathers, here we are in the middle of verse three, being zealous for God, as all of you are to this day. So he's taken uh, his story, his, his, his roots, his background, and he has now uh, established that this, hey, this is who I am. You guys, you guys know me. Zealous for God, as all of you are here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm relating to you here. Verse 4, I persecuted this way, this way being the way, this way being uh, what we call Christianity today, uh, true Christianity today, to the death. Binding and delivering to person to prison both men and women. So he's emphasizing, like, look, like I was so zealous for God that I was persecuting the way. You guys all know the way, the the, the people that you're you're so afraid of right now, to the death. Binding and delivering to prison both men and women, killing and taking to prison both men and women, leading uh, leading stonings, right? If you recall back to Stephen. Uh, Stephen was stoned, and Paul, formerly Saul, was standing there nodding in approval. Verse 5, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. So now uh, we're taking, uh, so I'm, I'm not only sharing this, this story, this is this Paul, this is who I am, but uh, the high priest and the whole council of elders, all of the people that you look up to to, to lead you in, in the temple, to lead you in your life right now, uh, they can bear me witness. They, they know that this is true. They, uh, they were part of uh, the, those that, that discharged me. Uh, and from them, I received letters. So here we're on verse 5 again. To the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. So finishing up verse 5, he's established who, who all knows him. He's established who he's worked with, who he studied under. And he's, he, he's established that, look, I'm well known. You guys, you guys know me. I, I'm not all that in a bag of chips, so to speak, but I'm well known. Like you guys are aware of who I was uh, and who I am, and so uh, let's let's establish some some truth here, and let's let's talk about what's really going on. This is uh, Paul's uh, approach to uh, one uh, relating to everyone, but also reminding them that like you guys, you guys know what I did. You guys know what I did, and so the fact that I am now speaking on behalf of the way. Now, the, the fact that I am now speaking uh, this, this gospel, this truth about Jesus, this should mean something to you. So don't miss this, everybody. That's, that's, that's what Paul is saying here. 
So uh, he's on Damascus, uh, on the way to Damascus, he's going to take those who are there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished, right? As we read at the end of verse 5. Verse 6, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me, who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. Verse 11, and since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me and came into Damascus. And that's going to take us to the end of, of our text today. So you'll have to uh, continue reading uh, to find out what happens in Damascus. Uh, granted, uh, this is a, a moment where, uh, where Paul is, is uh, exposed to. He's seen, he's heard from Jesus. He's blind now. The light was uh, testified by those who were with him. So there's other people who could corroborate this really bright light. Uh, they, 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 you know, they may have heard something, but they didn't hear what, what was exactly being said. But then Paul's blind. He needs to be led the rest of the way into Damascus. Those are some significant details that are easy to gloss over. If you're familiar with the story, you know that it will be in Damascus where Paul meets Ananias and learns the truth about Jesus. So he's heard from Jesus. He now knows like, okay, so I was on my way to do this thing. I've been living this way. And Jesus approached me and on the way to Damascus. And now I can't see, something's going on here, right? So imagine being Paul, living your life so devout, so focused, so convicted in one way. And suddenly something looks different. Life looks different. There's uh, maybe some different thoughts going on in Paul's head. Uh, do you think he was wondering if he was ever going to get a sight back? Probably. He was probably wondering if he was ever going to be able to see again. But he was more probably focused on what, what happened. I just heard from Jesus of Nazareth, whom I've been persecuting. So this is Saul. He's going, I've, I've literally been like taking these people out in the streets and beating them and locking them up in prison for following Jesus. And now I'm blind, headed to Damascus, following those that are leading me to Damascus because I just heard from Jesus. What do you really think is going on? I, I bet Paul's not as concerned about his sight and probably far more concerned about the life that he was living and what this means for him now, having heard from Jesus directly. You know, we read about these Damascus-like experiences in others, or we hear about stories of other believers, and we often compare their journey with our own. We often find ourselves looking for a Damascus-like experience. I know many a Christian who have grown up in the church who accepted Christ as their Savior at a young age because that made sense, and it made sense to them when they heard the gospel, and they're still looking for a Damascus-like experience. There are, are many people who have, have tried the, the Jesus thing once, maybe, maybe twice. There are a lot of people out there who, who feel like Jesus just is, isn't working for me. You know, I, I've, I've tried, I've tried this, this whole Jesus thing and, and it's just not working out. Maybe you yourself are still looking for your road to Damascus, Damascus experience. Maybe you're looking for uh, that, that moment where it just all suddenly makes sense and that there's this bright light and, and, and life just radically changes for you. Maybe you've had that moment and you just totally missed it. Maybe you weren't paying attention. Or, or maybe what you're looking for is, uh, is, is a feeling uh, to, to compare yourself to others because you've heard 
these great stories of these lives that were lived in complete uh, de debauchery. And suddenly uh, there's, there's a moment where somebody realizes that the way that they've been living is wrong and, and, and Jesus just comes into their heart and there's just this radical transformation like we saw for uh, Saul, as, as you'll see as he uh, reiterates this story, as he's sharing with the people who would like to kill him. Maybe you're looking for that. Maybe you think because you didn't have that sort of a story that your story doesn't matter. I started off today talking about the fact that everybody, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story, and uh, whether, uh, whether your story feels like something that needs to be spoken from stage or recorded on a podcast and shared all across the world or not is besides the point. Because ultimately, your story is about you when your story truly should be about Jesus. It should be about the truth and, and what he did for you and for me. That's the story that we should be sharing. And so the reality is my story, my life story, is going to resonate with some people. But it won't resonate with everybody. Whereas your story will resonate with somebody that my story won't. This is part of the beauty of being one in the body, in the body of believers, as we've uh, talked about in the last couple of weeks. So whether you've had an experience like Paul or quietly accepted Jesus as your Savior, I, I have news. I have news for you. Uh, you might be familiar with the parables Jesus tells in Luke 15. He tells a story about a lost sheep. And a shepherd is overseeing a flock of 100 sheep and one goes missing. And so he leaves the 99 to go pursue that one sheep. And when he finds that one sheep, he celebrates. He celebrates and he grabs the other shepherd and says, Look, I found my lost sheep. And then there's another parable about a lost coin. And a lost coin and the, the widow's looking for this lost coin. This is the lost coin that's... Uh, She's looking all over, turning her, her house upside down. And when she finds this lost coin, she, she celebrates. She celebrates here. And then there's a story of the prodigal son, whom as this story has been told many a time. Uh, this has uh, filled many sermons. And there's, there's some, some, some key points here to take home for, for you as well. Uh, but there is uh, a, 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 a man who's got two sons. Uh, one son seems to be doing everything right and, uh, and doing whatever he can and honoring his father. And the other son claims his inheritance early and wants to leave and goes and squanders it. He squanders his entire life, essentially. He, he gives it all away. And he comes and he finds himself at the end of himself uh, to realize that he is living worse than his father's, uh, his father's uh, employees, his, the workers. He's living worse than his father's animals. And so he uh, goes back. He goes back home. He goes back home and he's welcomed and, and celebrated. His return is celebrated by his father. Each story emphasizes a key truth here. When one sinner repents, heaven celebrates. In Luke 15, 7, Jesus points that out. In, uh, and, and following up the, the lost coin story, there's, there's a celebration. And again, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we, we see this, this emphasis. When one sinner repents, when one sinner repents, heaven celebrates. So regardless of your story, regardless of your background, regardless of the, the plan and the story that you're trying to build, regardless of all of that, regardless of uh, you comparing yourself, your story to somebody else's story, you thinking that uh, your story doesn't matter, 
that it's not good enough, that it's not significant enough, that you didn't go through enough of a change. The reality is, no matter what your story, you were once a sinner. You were once a sinner, and guess what? You're still a sinner. But you repented of your sin, you professed your belief, and now what? Heaven celebrates. Heaven celebrated. So whether you were the prodigal son squandering your entire life on, on, on the things of this world, living a life 100% edified and gratified by the world, whether you were that guy or girl, and you repented and you turned and your life has this radical change, or whether you were the, the one who, who's just lived life trying to follow all of the rules, trying to stay in the lane, trying to stay in between the lines, trying to do everything right, you were raised in a church, you accepted Jesus as your savior at a young age, whether you were uh, that person or not, either way, when you repented of your sins and gave your life over to Jesus, guess what? Guess who celebrated? The heavens celebrated for you, too. You see, it's not about where you've been. It's not about that. It's about where you're going. And it's about who you're going with. And it's about who you're sharing with. You see, this life is, is temporary. You and I don't have an, an exhaustive amount of years here. In fact, you and I are not even guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. And so for you to live in a way where you're looking for your Damascus experience, your road to Damascus this moment, for you to live in this capacity as opposed to living the life that God has called you to live is extremely selfish. Because you don't know, do you? You don't know what tomorrow will bring. But what you do know is that you have a story. Now, some of you are, are, are recalling all of this as, as, uh, as a repetitive story that you've heard for years. Some of you are learning about Paul's story for the first time. Some of you are, uh, are, are experiencing uh, right now for the first time someone else telling you that your story, your story matters. And that when you uh, repented, that when you uh, turned your life over to Jesus... That heaven celebrated. You were the one sheep that has wandered away that has now been found. You were the lost coin. You, the prodigal son, perhaps. Or again, maybe you're the son in the story of the prodigal son that did everything right. That followed all the rules, that worked hard, that put in all of the effort and tried to earn everything that you could possibly get. And if you're familiar with that story, you'll remember that the older brother, the older son, he was upset when his father welcomed his younger son who had gone and squandered his inheritance and welcomed him home with open arms. You'll remember that from the story. If you've not read that, I encourage you to take a look at what happens when the older son shares that with his, his, his father. Hey, what about me? What about me? And his father says, we're, we're celebrating because what, what was once lost is now found. You, you're always with me, son, but your, your brother, he, he left and he has returned. And we're, we're celebrating this. Heaven celebrated 
when you gave your life over to Jesus. Now, perhaps this is the first time that you are hearing of Jesus today. Perhaps this is the first time that you're hearing of, of, of repenting and turning away from a life of sin. Well, I have some more news for you. Some more news for you. It's not easy. It's not easy to uh, stop what you are doing or make these decisions in, in your life to suddenly change and start living your life for Jesus. The decision to do so is easy, but often the, the life and the road is, is not. Jesus is not the solution for your worldly issues. He is the solution for your eternal problems. Because a, a life lived devoid of Jesus is a life that will end in death, just like mine. Just like mine. I'm going to die as well. The difference is uh, when, when, when I die, uh, because I know who Jesus is and I've accepted him as my savior and repented of my sins and I live my, my life uh, and according to uh, his word. Now, I'm not perfect. I am not perfect, but this is, uh, this is the truth. This is the gospel message. Jesus was sent to die on the cross for your sins because our sins separate us from God. Now, in order to uh, pave a way for us to approach that throne again, that a throne of perfection, that, that, that heavenly place, that dwelling, that holy of holies, that God of the universe, the creator of all things, in order to, uh, in order to pave a way there, there needed to be a, a sacrifice. There needed to be a, a payment, a final payment for our sins. And so God sends his son. He lives this, this perfect life. And he dies on the cross. He's a sacrifice for our sins. And three days later, he conquers the grave by rising again. And there is so much, so much, so, so much evidence for that in the world around us. There's uh, so, so many facts. There's so many uh, sources outside of even scripture itself that, that edify this story. And this is the story that Paul has been arrested for. This is the story that Paul has been beaten for. This is the story that Paul is ultimately going to die for. Paul knew that this is the plan A. There was no plan B. There's never a plan B. So for you, what about you? To you Christians who, who know who Jesus is, are you living life as though there is a plan B? Or maybe, maybe Jesus is your plan B. Maybe you're living as though you have a fallback plan. Maybe one day you accepted Jesus as your Savior and you've been living life in a different way uh, ever since just because. Because that is comfortable for you or because that has been a, a desire of yours. Maybe you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're understanding this for the first time. Jesus wants to be your plan A. There, there is no plan B for Paul. And there, there can't be a plan B for, for you either. There can't be. And so there's a, there's a question for you as, as we end our time today, as we uh, move into uh, some, some time of, of worship, as we take communion together, uh, both uh, here in, in, in church today, uh, while you may be, uh, apart from us virtual, uh, you will receive that invitation to join there as, as well, virtually. What about you? If this is your first time hearing this message, if this is the first time hearing about e eternal life with 
with the God of the universe in, in heaven, uh, heavens that celebrate when one sinner repents, no matter what the story, no matter what the background. If that's your first time hearing, then I encourage you to grab somebody, to share that with them, to talk with them. Maybe you have some questions. Maybe you have some questions and, and you want some answers, then ask. Maybe, uh, maybe you want to connect with us and, and continue this conversation. And you can connect with us through our website. We, we want you to know that everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. No matter what your upbringing, no matter what your background, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, you've got a story. Here we got to take a look at Paul's story. And you'll notice that Paul's story is very much so wrapped in the story of Jesus. And the invitation is for you to wrap up your story in Jesus's story. So Father God, would you uh, just go uh, before us? Would you break down any, any walls, any uh, barriers, any, any obstacles that we have built up to keep us from approaching you? Father, we know that there is opposition to you. We know that there's opposition to us. We know that there's opposition in this life. So God, would you help us to see, help us to know, help us to understand that you are greater than any of this opposition, that you are greater, that you are stronger, and God, uh, that you are worth it. You are more than worth it. Father, we don't deserve we don't deserve what you've done for us. There is no one that is good, not one. And yet you sent your son to die a brutal death for us, despite there being no one good, no one deserving. And through the sacrifice, you paved a, a way, you provided you provided the, the, the funds to pay the fine. The funds being your son. Hanging on the cross. And God, rather than just a, a death in exchange, uh, you conquered death itself. So God, would you open our eyes and open our hearts to this truth? And would uh, you wrap our story up in your story? May we be uh, one body pursuance of uh, your kingdom come in the way that we live, the way that we go to work, the way that we go to school, and, and whatever we do. May we live with an eternal focus on you. Amen.